Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And my name is Will Brueggemann. And today, we're going to be taking a look at the Street Fighter series. Primarily, this is going to be a spotlight on Street Fighter 2, the most notable entry in the series, especially when you're talking about music. But we're also going to be taking a look at music from quite a few, because this, this series actually has a lot of entries in it and I think there's some games that um, not as many people are familiar with but there's a lot of interesting things happening in the music department with some of those subsequent titles and I think you'll be surprised at that the music doesn't really keep to the styles and traditions of Street Fighter 2 the way that say like Mega Man music has held up that tradition of sounding like the early Mega Man games. Very good point Will. Yeah definitely after Street Fighter 2 there was um, a surprising change in tone of, of the music it got a lot more jazzy and laid back, kind of like elevator music, yeah. which is very surprising for a fighting game because usually, typically, when you think of fighting music, it's a lot more kind of rocking in your right. face. But uh, nevertheless, Street Fighter Two just cannot be understated. The impact, the influence uh, that it had on not just other video games and other video game soundtracks, but just as in the pop culture. Right. Like we noticed this when we played. Um, we went to Magfest and had that name that tune game. When we played the Guile theme everybody knew yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I it was, was probably the, the most, most The most recognizable theme. Yeah, I was surprised. I was expecting it to be Gerudo Valley from mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time, which I thought very easy. But yeah, those, thing, those but... Street Fighter 2 themes are absolutely classic, and we're actually going to play 11 tracks from various versions of Street Fighter 2. There's right. so many different versions. Yeah, so the cool thing about Street Fighter 2 is that the music is so iconic and recognizable, but there's no one definitive version. You know, there's Far so many different soundtracks. You have the Championship Edition, Turbo... Original arcade, Super Street Fighter, and every none of them are perfect. They all have their own quirky problems, and we'll we'll talk about that when we get to that. So, so um, yeah, what you guys heard playing in with was obviously the opening theme from Street Fighter Two, as well as the character select. We're gonna start things off actually with the very first game in this series, the original Street Fighter. Now we're gonna play a version uh, for the Turbo Graphic 16 CD, known as Fighting Street. Yeah, so this is the only home console port of the original Street Fighter. Um, It was in an arcade cabinet, but there was no real um, definitive home console port or really any port So really at not all. A, a well-known game very yeah. much, but this is the start of the whole series. And this this first game was composed by Yoshihiro Sakaguchi, which is a legendary name at Capcom. Definitely a person that did a lot of great implementation. I know he that's probably most what he's known for. Not so much composition, but definitely known for doing a lot of great implementation on the NES and continuing on to the SNES arcade. So, so we're going to play one track from Fighting Street. This is Eagle Stage, composed by Yashihiro Sakaguchi.
Well, that's an interesting piece of music. I gotta say, it has a pretty nice hook. Uh, I really like the intervals of that melody. This is Eagle Stage from Fighting Street. Once again, this is the TurboGrafx CD version of this very first game in the Street Fighter series. This was composed by Yashihiro Sakaguchi. Now, fun fact, we did check out the arcade version of this soundtrack, and I have to say that, uh, at least in this particular example of this track, this is definitely an improvement on the original arcade uh, track, I have There's to say. Something I think is interesting, and I think this also applies to Street Fighter 2, Carl, I think you would agree. The arcade versions of the soundtracks, while they're sort of considered the definitive version and obviously mm -hmm. the original, they're definitely not even close to being the best, especially no. for Street Fighter 2. Um, the levels aren't quite perfect, and temporarily, some things just aren't very pleasing to the ear. Absolutely. Now, these are fairly early arcade soundtracks. You know, you're talking about in the 80s here. So I think in the early 90s, I think um, some of these composers got a little bit better at using the arcade hardware because right. it probably wasn't something that a lot of composers had a lot of experience right. with. But yeah, that's definitely true with Street Fighter 2, definitely. Like, the levels of the actual, like, all the instruments, the mixing is really off. Like, a lot of times the melody will be really quiet, and maybe, like, a brass support line will be way too loud. Right. Um, we, and we've talked about that before. But yeah, no, that's, that's a pretty nice track, and it's fun to play a track from the original Street Fighter, which we've never played before. So now we're going to move on to another, I would say, slightly lesser-known game as far as if you're just a fan of Street Fighter 2. This is Street Fighter 2010, a really weird game that came out for the NES, and that was composed by Junko Tamiya. Yeah, a little backstory behind this game. I think uh, supposedly Capcom was working on an entirely different uh platformer mm -hmm. at the time and they use the street fighter name and actually the subtitle of this game is street fighter 2010 the final fight <laughs> and final fight was actually originally supposed to be a street fighter knockoff mm -hmm. and there's some sort of um cross-pollinization yeah, there pollinization between the characters so i think this game was supposed to be sort of a link between those two mm -hmm. but the gameplay and the characters none of it has anything to do with street fighter so i guess uh and I also i don't think the mind. game is very good is it but the the soundtrack is excellent um i i don't know I, I i wouldn't necessarily call it a bad game i think it's unfairly challenging but mm -hmm. i think it's you know it's a decent um Capcom platform. Yeah, the, the soundtrack is one of my favorite NES soundtracks. Junko Tamiya is just such a legend. We're going to play three tracks from Street Fighter 2010. Let's start off with Alleyway Planet 1 1. <laughs> Listening to Alleyway, Planet 1-1 from Street Fighter 2010 for the NES, composed by Junko Tamiya. Such a rocking track. This is, I believe, the, yeah, obviously the very first stage theme in the game. Really sets the tone for the soundtrack. And I gotta say, we're getting closer to what we would consider classic Street Fighter music. It's very well, yeah, rocking. I, I think it's more about that classic Capcom sound. You right. know, a lot of those composers, it's documented that they would work 
very closely together and I think especially at this time we're getting close to you know a lot of the Mega Man games and things like that and I think also the presentation of the NES sound chip really makes it feel in that whole Capcom universe but yeah something that I uh, think is very true about Capcom music is that especially in its heyday a lot of the melodies and the chord progressions are very reminiscent between titles and I think uh, the things that make each soundtrack different for instance like the difference between like Mega Man or Street Fighter if we're talking in a broad sense has more to do with uh, rhythmic elements than to do with compositional elements absolutely uh, we're gonna play two more tracks from Street Fighter 2010 uh, these next two tracks, I don't think we've ever played before on the podcast, so I'm, I know I'm really excited to play these because these are tracks that I've kind of had on the back burner for months, uh, even possibly years. So, uh, yeah, these are really cool tracks. Let's play Underwater Planet 4-2 from Street Fighter 2010. <laughs> is so beautiful. I'm a really big fan of that minor suspension. It really sounds like medieval. It's so cool to have this in a Street Fighter game. Uh, and obviously at this time, you know, there wasn't this established tradition for the music. So Junko Tamiya was really, you know, able to be pretty free here. Uh, but this is one of my favorite tracks in the soundtrack. You're listening to Underwater Planet 4-2 from Street Fighter 2010. Very different musically from the track we just heard. Oh, absolutely. Something that I um, really admire about this is that it's using a lot of sort of classical voice leading techniques. Mm -hmm. And um, that's actually something I feel like we don't hear a lot on the NES. We talk about the classical influence Mm -hmm. as far as the nature of composition, but some of those suspensions and resolutions, just I'm surprised that you can do that with three pitches. It makes it really feel full and sort of advanced um, chordal kind of movement happening here. I would say in general, Junko Tamiya is able to create some of the most full sounds of any NES composer. I mean, all of the soundtracks she does are so incredibly lively and full, and you forget the limitations when you're listening to the soundtrack. You forget that there's three channels. You're just listening to the music, and it sounds so comfortable. It doesn't sound like she had a struggle trying to whittle it down. It sounded like she was writing for the hardware. I think that's a really good point and a distinction between uh, when we talk about composers like the Fallen Brothers really pushing the sound hardware. Mm -hmm. You see, with them, I think they were obviously pushing it probably farther than Junko Tamiya, but there wasn't that sense of, like, comfortability. It really felt like, Mm -hmm. you know, the machine was about to explode. (laughs) Where with Junko Tamiya, it it feels, like, natural. It doesn't feel like anything's missing. But there's also, I don't get that sense of, like, really trying to push boundaries. It just feels kind of natural. Absolutely. This is still pretty early on in the NES life cycle. it makes it sound full and exciting. Right. It's not necessarily technically doing a lot of cool wizardry and stuff. Uh, we're going to play one final track here from 2010. This is Spaceway Planet 5-2.
Beautiful. You're listening to Spaceway Planet 5-2 from Street Fighter 2010, composed by Junko Tamiya. Such a signature um, type of vibrato that she uses in this soundtrack. I think it's it's primarily dynamic-based. It's kind of the swelling in volume. There might be a little bit of pitch vibrato, but it's a very signature type of vibrato that I don't really hear in a lot of other NES soundtracks. It's kind of really shrill and pulsating in a way. Yeah. Sounds good, though. I think it's just kind of linked up with the vibrato, because mm-hmm. there's, there's obviously pitch vibrato happening, but there's, yeah, there's that weird sort of fade tremolo effect. It's cool. It's probably, like, programmed into the it's, instrument it's really so that cool, has yeah. that pulsing sound. Yeah, it's very unique, very interesting. It gives it a little bit more uh, tension mm-hmm. when there's sort of a volume swell with the vibrato. You know, I have no idea, but it could have been an effort to try to make it sound, I don't know, more realistic. It's kind of... It's an odd thing to think about now, trying to make the NES sound like a real instrument, but, you know, maybe this was an attempt to give it some added, uh, you know, well, personality. Yeah, whether or not it sounds real, it has more personality. Right. It has more color. It has a distinct sound, and it's going for a specific type of emotion. I think the tension that you're talking about also comes from the fact that the pulsating beat is not to the grid. It's not like 16th notes or 8th notes. It's off. It's wow, 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 wow. It's not like yeah. to the grid, which gives it a lot of tension. Um, and gives it, uh, you know, added color. It makes mm-hmm. it sound like an instrument in less like sort of a notational choice. Absolutely. Yeah, something that I, I find interesting is I think a lot of 8-bit composers really prided themselves on doing unique things with the hardware and creating their own instruments because so that's many really times... That's all had to work with. So many times we'll listen to a soundtrack and be like, oh my god, that's the, that's the, you know, an example that always comes to my mind is the Zelda 2 vibrato oh my and gosh. how it's always on. It's really quick mm-hmm. and it affects every single instrument. And so it's like immediately when you start listening to a track, you can tell it's from that game mm-hmm. just because of those sounds. You know, Mega Man has distinct sounds. It's so impressive that that was possible to have your own distinct sound with, with such similar um, yeah. technology, you know. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, you could have your own distinct sound nowadays, but to do that back then was incredibly impressive. What I like, though, is it, it does feel very musical because you can almost look at you know 12 pitches in the western musical scale and look at that as like oh that's so limiting how much can you but do the possibilities and are the infinite, possibilities yeah. are endless um so now we're going to finally move on to street fighter 2 now uh this game is sometimes credited to alf leela now alf leela is was the capcom in-house band which was comprised of yoko shimamura and you know a lot of these classic composers but you know, plainly, this soundtrack was composed primarily by Yoko Shimomura. She composed the the vast majority of the of the tracks. Now, Iso Abe, which at this time was a Capcom newcomer, composed some of the tracks, most notably Sagat's theme, which we're actually not playing today, but you guys can check it out if you want to. And um, or I'm sure you probably know. You it, probably know. In all legendary. the subsequent versions of Street Fighter Two that would have new music, Iso Abe was the one who composed all right. the new music. So we are going to play an Iso Abe track later on today. But yeah, this original arcade game came out in 1991, and you guys know how many ports in different versions there are. So we're going to play a multitude of different versions here today. Let's start off with of course, the arcade version. This is Street Fighter II, The World Warrior. We're going to play Chun-Li's Stage, composed by Yoko Shimomura.
Awesome. So classic. So incredibly classic to me. You're listening to Chun-Li's stage. This is from the arcade version, Street Fighter II The World Warrior, which came out in 91. Uh, this track is composed by Yoko Shimomura. It's so fun. Uh, the biggest thing I want to say about Street Fighter II, what's so unique about it, is that it's this world tour. You know, you have all these different countries, and each country's theme is trying to kind of evoke that culture. And right. a lot of times it's very cartoonish in this caricature. This is China. Right. So this is Yoko Shimomura. I don't know. You know, maybe she's winking here. Uh, and also what I think is funny is that a lot of times uh, in games that have, you know, stages that take place in China, sometimes the Japanese composers are, like, kind of insulting to the... Because uh-huh. I think there's a little bit, you know, obviously they have pride for their own country. So I feel like whenever there's a Japan stage, they always make that, like, really serious and, like, some of the best you know, what themes. what I find interesting is a lot of the Japanese themes are not caricatures at all. <laughs> exactly. They don't really even sound anything like traditional Japanese music, but which this, I find it's, interesting. But this, it's definitely... Definitely, she's trying to go for some sort of right. stereotypical ethnic sound. Well, I think it's it's one of the things that makes this game uh, such a huge part of video game pop culture. You know, these characters have been satirized in movies and film and stuff, and everybody seems to love and play these games. And mm-hmm. I think a big part of it obviously has to do with the music for sealing that whole atmosphere together because the characters are so comedic and so over the top. And it's the type of thing where I feel like if this game were being pitched today uh they would probably have toned down some of those you know over the top stereotypical cultural elements because they might be viewed as kind of offensive but i think this is an example where it's kind of poking fun at everyone so i think <laughs> pop culture kind of lets this one slide but yeah it's just yeah. i think it's what's so cool about this episode is that I'm sure that everyone that loves video games and video game music is familiar with all these tunes, and I'm sure um, everybody's played Street Fighter 2, but I think what's interesting today is that we're going to be playing versions of this soundtrack from basically every single mm-hmm. edition that's out there. So we're going to be hearing the differences between soundtracks, and there's going to be an interesting discussion about that. Yeah, so now let's move on to um, an SNES version. This is Street Fighter 2 Turbo for the SNES. came out a couple years after the original. We're going to play Blanca's stage on this version. And like we said, um, Yashihiro Sakaguchi really did a lot of the implementation on a bunch of the different versions uh, for Street Fighter 2. So we got to give him a little shout-out here. But yeah, this one was also composed by Yoko Shimomura. This is Blanca from Street Fighter 2 Turbo.
You're listening to Blanca Stage. Obviously, this is the theme of Brazil in this game. This is from Street Fighter II Turbo. And I'm um, pretty sure this is another Yoko Shimamura track. It's possible uh, this one could have been assisted by Iso Abe. A little bit of aimless uh, harmonic wandering this one. Definitely not one of the strongest tracks in the game. There are a couple tracks today that we actually cut that we're not playing that, you know, just musically we didn't think really needed to be included. I think Zangief we cut, E Honda we cut, Sagat. Um, you know, you guys, I'm sure, know those themes. There's really, melodically, not a lot going on in those in those particular themes, but there is some interesting things going on in this one. I like how um, he or she, whoever did actually compose this track, calls back to that original theme later on with different chords, and it really does feel like um, it's very creative uses of, of taking one theme and expanding it. Yeah, I actually really happen to love this particular track. I think it has a very well-written and just super catchy melody. I think that's one of my favorite things about the soundtrack is that the music is sort of like a caricature for each culture, but also it works because, you know, most of all the songs are really good and very memorable, and it sort of serves as being a theme to that character, Mm -hmm. and it follows that character, and it becomes part of their personality because, you know, it's just a fighting game, so we can't... You have sort of limited data to mm-hmm. capture what the personality is and the way they move and fight and speak all sort of plays into it. But I think the biggest part really of describing a character's personality is the music. And I think this captures the character of Blanca. And I think there's a little bit of irony to it because Blanca is this big green kind of beast. beast that like shocks people. And I, I really like how the melody is this really kind of delicate little flute line. I think it fits mm-hmm. sort of like a irony with his character. That's an interesting point. I never actually thought about that. You know, just musically, I mean, this is a pretty good track, but I mean, compared to some of the other, you know, more important themes like Ryu or Ken or God, it's just not nearly as... um interesting for me personally but it's definitely just, a good track I, that b section is so the great the b section's though. great dun, dun, yeah dun, you know dun, what dun, i actually dun, dun, dun. am wondering is if the a section was maybe an abe um you know contribution maybe the b section was Shimura. i don't know. I, I doubt it i think it was probably either one of the other mm-hmm. yeah well it would be very surprising if they split the duties up on one track so now we're going to move on to reuse stage this is um one of the most important themes in the game this obviously uh takes place in japan I think there's a couple tracks that are in Japan. Ihanda is also in Japan. But yeah, this is um, really one of the main characters of Street Fighter 2. This is definitely composed by Yoko Shimomura. We're going to play uh, this version from Super Street Fighter 2, which came out even later than Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Um, probably the best SNES version as far as like, you, you know, you have Street Fighter 2, you have Turbo, you have Super Street Fighter 2. And this, I think, is the best out of the three. Right. Um, this is the one that I grew up playing. There's a lot less pitch problems, and they actually do some very interesting remixing and arranging. They this actually the change like, the keys they to most of the, the songs. They change the keys, but they also, uh, they really help solidify that world music quality. That's true. Because there's different instruments for each level, and they try to get, you know, they try to sample ethnic instruments. Yeah, so please enjoy Ryu's stage from Super Street Fighter 2.
Oh my gosh, this is a legendary piece of video game music, folks. If we don't even need to tell you that. This is Ryu's stage from Super Street Fighter 2, composed by Yoko Shimomura. I think that bass line's one of my personal favorites uh, in video game music, period. It's so melodic, it's so groovy, and it also hits all the important points you need to accentuate the chords. Right. Um, everything about this track is almost a 10 out of 10. The bass line is masterful. The melody is super, super melodic and catchy, and it's pr- it really is at home in the Street Fighter 2 sound. I mean, I gotta say, this Ken stage... Balrog stage and Guile stage are the most nailing the vibe that she's going for for this fighting game. I mean, there's other ones that kind of go off in different directions, such as, you know, Blanca's stage. But these are the main tracks that, like you're saying, they're not as stereotypical to a culture. Right. They're just great I think Capcom a big part music. of it is being influenced by 80s pop music. Like I mentioned, Survivor. And we've talked or... about this. And, and that track, remember that track from, what was it, that Top Gun soundtrack? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, all of those 80s bands had these really sort of powerful chords and sounds, and I think that's a big sort of part that Yoko Shimomura was trying to do, and I think the more kind of baseline tracks were, you know, between Japan and the United States, because those are the two big game-playing countries. So I think mm-hmm. the goal was to try to make players in both of those countries feel like these are our heroes. I think that's the big reason between Ryu and Ken. You know, Ryu's stage just feels very sort of empowering and Ken's stage does too. I think the idea was to sort of target Japanese and American audiences and give them, you know, a protagonist with not much stereotyping. And what's cool is they were also able to they were also able to have Guile, who is more of an American stereotype, and Ianda, who's a a Japanese stereotype. If memory serves, the the Top Gun track, I think it was a cheap trick song, didn't that wasn't that reminiscent of actually Ken's stage and i remember we thought it was weird because you would think it would be guile stage because that's kind of what you would you know closer to top gun right right but i think it was actually ken stage that it was similar because i I think she was very influenced by a lot of those 80s Mm -hmm. bands and i don't think there was any direct sort of uh uh, homaging going on but Mm -hmm. i think just trying to exist in that world and then make it you know melodic really catchy video so now we're going to play a track from super street fighter 2 turbo pc this is the pc cd version which has its own soundtrack really really great really fun exciting version uh, of street fighter 2 and i'm not sure exactly who was responsible for this particular implementation on this pc version it could have been yahiro sakaguchi it could have been someone else but whoever did this had a lot of fun with taking the theme and after a loop they modulate up like a half or a whole step, and then they do a lot of fun jazzy soloing over it. Um, right. So let's t- let's play that version. This is Dalzim's stage from uh, Street Fighter Two Turbo for the PC.
particular track doesn't have quite as much of the soloing I was talking about, but if you guys are interested, um, I would check out like something like Guile's theme for this for this particular version, or Ken's, or Ryu's. A lot of really fun soloing on those tracks. You're listening to Dalzim's stage from the PC CD version of Street Fighter 2. Uh, and this track was, I believe, composed by Yoko Shimomura. Um, it could have, it could have also been by Iso Abe. I think this is Street Fighter Two Turbo. Yep, Street Fighter Two Turbo for the PC. Yep, Super Street Fighter Two Turbo. Sorry. <laughs> Gosh, there's so many versions. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, because there's Street Fighter Two Turbo for the SNES, and then there's Super Street Fighter Two Turbo, right, for the right. PC, and also for the uh, Turbo Graphics 16 CD. But um, yeah, so that this, maybe this is the same version of the soundtrack as that. Yeah. Gosh, I I really um, what I like about this version is unlike a lot of the music from this soundtrack, I think it's doing a very fitting job of adapting the music into a more modern palette, it, mm-hmm. and it's uh. What I love about this track is that it's trying to capture the musical sound of Of traditional Indian music, Um, but it's sort of also... (laughs) <laughs> by doing that it gives its own kind of caricature but also um i think yoko shimamura kind of does new things if an example is the modulating up a half step Absolutely. that's something you and that's, you wouldn't hear in indian music that's perfect for for fighting music yeah. you know a lot of this music is a very short loop because you know when you're when you're in one of these matches it's usually at the most a minute long so you have to convey a lot in a very short amount of time which is cool because you know in this time you know 1992, you know, mid, uh, mid early 90s, you were starting to have a little bit longer forms in video game music. Right. But because of this type of genre, a fighting game, you're forced to have very succinct, short pieces of music that just punch you in the face mm-hmm. right away, no pun intended. And I think that's what's fun is that they're having to go back to really focus on melody and rhythm because uh, and that is something that actually was lost in the later series because they got so for some reason into like jazz and like um, a little bit more subtle music which is weird because I would still imagine that those fighting rounds would still only be about a minute long so it's kind of surprising to me the the direction that the series would go in later on right the thing that I like um, is how other than sort of the modulating how traditional it is to the style of Indian writing all the sort of competing tonal and movement rhythmically i'm happening. actually quite confused on like where that the one is sometimes it's very interesting i and think but it still has a good melody but i just love all the underneath parts and it's just really it's well good. done very well done so now we're going to play guile stage and let's play the street fighter 2 special championship edition for the sega genesis uh this is my personal favorite version of the soundtrack this is the one that i grew up playing so really that's really what it comes down to is whatever you grew up playing it's probably going to be your favorite i really like the sound of the sega genesis fm chip for this soundtrack i think it's the closest you can get to the arcade but personally i think they do a little bit better job of some of the mixing now obviously it's not perfect but for this particular track guile stage i think this is my favorite version of this this is definitely composed by yoko shimamura here we go
Legendary. You're listening to Guile Stage from Street Fighter 2 Special Championship Edition for the Sega Genesis, composed by Yoko Shimomura. I remember in our episode 10, I believe, the breakdown and analysis, Marty really spent a lot of time talking about, uh, he played this on the piano and really focused on, you know, how wonderful that bass line is and how it works uh, rhythmically and melodically with the chords. I'm a really big fan of the brass instruments that's used on the dun 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 It's just right. such a playful intro. I think the intro is definitely the most recognizable part. This reminds me of our Name That Tune game. This is the right. version we played at MAGFest, well, and I everybody it, knew this. As far as 16-bit music goes, I think the Street Fighter 2 soundtrack is so incredibly influential for that type of part writing. Just because identifying when you move from 8-bit from just, you know, a bass, a melody, and maybe a support line, mm-hmm. to when you're able to have all these colors, you can have delay and all these things happening at once, what to do with all these different parts. And I think Street Fighter 2 is an excellent example of what to do with that. But something that I love about this particular soundtrack, I think it's, again, what I was saying about that... Um, 80s rock sound. In fact, that opening riff, those chords, very reminiscent of Eye of the Tiger. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to say it right here. I'm going to make a claim that I think Guile Stage is the most iconic and recognizable 16-bit video game track. I don't think there's another one that if you play it and if you're even a remote fan of video games and music, you're, you're going to know. And honestly, number two might be Ken's stage. I think both of those two, I can't think of another 16-bit track. I mean, maybe there's something from Zelda. Uh, Link to the Past, but even that, I mean, I feel like more just average people have played Street Fighter 2 than Link to the Past. I mean, I yeah, maybe, I don't know. I, Honestly, maybe I Sonic think, would be another contender. I think Sonic or Mario or, I mean, there's so many video games are, you can't sort of cut it down to just who has played it or who hasn't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's people who've played Street Fighter and not... Zelda and it's just weird when you're talking about things so incredibly popular yeah it seems it's, like it's hard everyone... I mean I, I can't think of something that's more iconic than Guile stage I mean maybe Green Hill Zone might be more iconic and the Super Mario Brothers theme I'm talking about 16-bit oh okay <laughs> you're well, gonna this, eat your there's words a six, there there's a um 16-bit version the Super Mario Brothers theme no nah, it doesn't count that counts all right uh we're gonna move on to this week's track of the week and we just talked about it. This is Ken's stage, and we're going to play the version from Super Street Fighter 2 for the SNES. This is composed by Yoko Shimomura. Um, yeah, just definitely one of the strongest tracks in this game. Enjoy Ken's stage.
This is what again? Oh yeah, that's right, Ken's stage from Super Street Fighter 2, composed by Yoko Shimomura. Yeah, I, some of the quirky things about this particular soundtrack is the guitar samples sometimes get really low, and you can tell that they're going quite a bit lower than what the original sample was recorded at, mm -hmm. which is kind of funny, but it also is kind of cute and quirky. And, you know, I will say that... Um, and right now you guys are actually here and we're going to fade in. This is the Kirby's Dream Band. They did a great remix of this. So that's what you're hearing right now. But yeah, I mean, what can you say about this track? It's excellent. The form is actually super long. You think it's looped back, but then the melody actually has an alternate version. Yeah, I, I love the melody. And I, I think this Ryu stage and Guile stage are the best tracks yes. in the game. And I think they all fit with what I was saying about trying to give players... Uh, someone to identify with a mm -hmm. protagonist and just because, especially at this time video games were the largest market in Japan and the US, I think it was a very sort of tactical and really intelligent decision mm -hmm. to give you know kids around the world their own sort of protagonist to root for it. Mm -hmm. I always found myself, even as an American typically playing as Ryu because I just loved his special abilities and I don't know, I always felt like he was like the main character to me. Yeah, I would always much rather prefer to play him than Ken. I don't know what yeah. it was but I Ken, I just, I just thought it was lame for some reason. Yeah, he had that kind of like long blonde hair. He just seemed like he should have been in a boy band. It's so funny how those visual things like make a big difference. Because like really it's like they almost are exactly the same. But it's yeah. like they look Something different. I love though, if you compare this track to Ryu's stage, like I, I just feel like musically they very much exist in the world. Yeah. They're almost like the yin and yang of one another. Right. It's interesting because it, uh, at least in the version that I played, the order was Guile was the first stage and then Ken was the second stage. Oh, which yeah, is see, interesting. I, I usually played Super Street Fighter 2, which actually was, it, it didn't have a specific order. Okay. It wasn't definitive. Yeah, because the order for the Special Championship Edition was started off with Guile and then went to Ken. Right. Which is interesting, because aren't they both USA? Well, yeah, I think, but that's the idea, is you do USA and then you go to another part of the world. But I think it, then it jumps back, because it wasn't like Balrog was third, you know? Oh, yeah, there's also Balrog. It's kind of a surprising order. I remember to the version that I played. I always but forget about Balrog. We could nerd out about this for a while. Um, so now we're going to play Vega's stage, and this is from Street Fighter II Championship Edition for the Genesis. This is one of my personal favorite tracks. Really, really fun stuff here. Um, kind of strikes a nice balance of trying to evoke some of the cultural musical aspects of Spain, because that's where this stage takes place. But also, it really fits with you know classic Capcom tradition. This is Vega's stage.
Such a strong melody. It's so confident. Um, this is Vega Stage from Street Fighter 2 Special Championship Edition for the Genesis. Um, I know it's kind of selfish, but I, I kind of wish that Yoko Shimomura would have had the same level of you know constant melodic flair in every single track because um, there are some tracks that are just not as much going on. You know, I, I'll say you know the E Hondas. You know, to lesser extent the Blancas, the Zangiefs. I kind of wish that every single track had this level of uh, melodic interest. Yeah, but I think it's it's more about fitting the game. I think uh, this is very much capturing the energy of Vega. Vega just jumps around and bounces around as crazy. This kind of bullfighter mm -hmm. style, and the music so captures it. Something that's very special to me about Street Fighter 2 is, honestly, I played this game when I was so young that this was really sort of some of my first exposure to world music yeah. and styles. Like, to some of those Spanish music Yeah, obviously, I'm not, this does fit Spain really well, but, I mean, something like Zangief, I mean, you could do a really cool Russian, um, really fun melodic thing, and I feel like the Zangief theme was kind of a, a miss as far as, like, well, what you could do with that. I think that, again, the idea was sort of more playing into sort of the U.S. versus Russia kind of thing. They didn't mm -hmm. want to do, like, a Russian march or anything, so I think the whole idea was just to have this big, demonic kind of just to... I think right. it, it really kind of works well, but I guess I, I agree that doesn't necessarily capture any of the sort of cultural elements of Russian music. Right, so uh, let's move on. We're going to play M. Bison's stage, and we're going to play once again Again, from the PC version, and I think this is probably the same sounding version as the TurboGrafx CD version. So once again, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, M. Bison Stage. Here we go. Listening to M. Bison Stage. This is the PC version of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. And you're, as you're hearing now, they're kind of modulating up and doing a little bit kind of fun, rocking jazziness. Usually for the uh, second round. Right. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot, some of these versions have two different round themes. I don't the think arcade every version single, actually did. Yeah, the arcade. I don't think all of them do, though. Yeah, they, they don't all do that. What do you think about this track? Gosh, I, I'm really grown to appreciate it. As a kid, this was probably my least favorite track in the game. I don't know why. It's definitely not the worst melodically. I think it's just like I hated this stage. I was so terrible at fighting and bison. <laughs> So, I don't know, this always sort of fell in with that, but I really like the integration of music with sound. In this level, there's this huge bell, sort of prominently kind of in the background, um, and that bell element is into sort of the opening riff, and in every sort of soundtrack version, they are trying to evoke the sound of that big bell, and actually, uh, M. Bison can, like, throw you into the bell, and it crashes, and I don't know, I think it's a really nice sort of 
playful mixture between the music and the environment and it just all sort of is very cohesive and I think it definitely fits for the end level because it starts off you know kind of a little slower but then when it picks up to that you know double time feel and with all the demonic kind of modulation I think it really gets your blood pumping and gives you a heightened sense of intensity absolutely so now this is cool let's play Cammy's stage this is one of the new themes that was in Super Street Fighter 2 and this was composed by Iso Abe so the first track we're going to play from this composer from Street Fighter 2. This is Cammy's stage. Here we go. We're listening to Cammy's stage from Super Street Fighter 2. You know, Cammy, um, this is the stage for England. And uh, I always was uh, curious about that. And I think, <laughs> in a way, it's, again, it's also sort of a parody. I think it's sort of parodying a lot of, um, I guess, English rock groups and sort of how kind of extended some of those melodies are. This is the first... Mm-hmm. Uh, track that I was ever introduced to as a kid where I ever heard the melody start on the ninth scale degree. I mean, I didn't know what the ninth scale degree was when I was a kid, but I remember being very struck by that melody. You knew what the sound was. You knew what the emotional yeah. you know, quality yeah, and was. I, I, it gives this track a very melancholy feel, which um, I also thought was sort of like trying to fit the idea of England. There's sort of like a melancholy nature. I, the whole visuals and the whole environment of this level something about it just is a little bit kind of sad there's a little bit of bitterness to it it doesn't rock with a lot of intensity it's not happy it's just Mm kind of ambiguous and a big part of it has to do with that ninth scale degree and how the melody is so centered around it it really does feel like classic capcom music though especially Mm -hmm. for the 16-bit era um so we have one more track from Street Fighter 2 to play. I know we've been playing a lot, but this is the last one that we're going to move on. This is Balrog stage, and we're going to go back to the Special Championship Edition. Here we go.
You're listening to Balrog Stage from Street Fighter 2 Special Championship Edition, composed by Yoko Shimomura. Now, this character is obviously uh, kind of a nod to Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. This stage takes place in Las Vegas. Um, I really like the choice. We both have talked about this before. The choice of using the organ for the main melody. It's kind of a breath of fresh air in the soundtrack because you can hear it really well. Uh-huh. It's really clear and it's powerful. And I think one of the things Will has issues with in the soundtrack is sometimes the melody um, is actually using the PSG channel for the main melody. And sometimes yeah. it's a little quiet. And it feels like, oh, this is like old school. Well, I guess like, it I just sound feel like impressive. there's not enough harsh attack. Even still on this one, the organ, you can hear it, but there's no grit to it. And what I love about that... SNES soundtracks is for every track they sort of capture the world music sound that they want to capture and for this one I just think it fits I think the Genesis version was a good choice to play for all the tracks that we did but yeah in general I don't know I love Super Street Fighter 2 and I love sort of there's a richness to the power of the melodies but I love this track I think this is another hit this comes right after uh, Ryu Guile and Ken's stage for me is the next best track in the game. I just think it has a very well-crafted melody. And something that I like about it is um, it doesn't feel like inputted. And when I say that, I sort of mean like it doesn't feel like the rhythms are very grid-based and linear. There's a lot mm-hmm. of dotted rhythms and things that it makes it sound like it was written on a piano. Like all those sort of dotted rhythms that just really make it feel performed. Right. So now we're finally moving away from Street Fighter 2. Let's go on to Street Fighter Alpha. This is the full title of Street Fighter Alpha Warrior's Dreams, which is kind of cool because the original title was The World Warrior. Uh, we're going to play a Naoshi Masuda composition. He composed, I think, a couple, one or two stage themes and also the credits roll. So that's what we're going to play. We're going to play the credits roll. It's a really nice laid back, groovy, jazzy piece that when I played this for well, he's like, reminds me of Rockman and Forte. And I was like, oh, well, that's probably because this is composed by Naoshi Masuda, which was funny that he noticed that. This is Credits Roll from Street Fighter Alpha.
Very interesting here. Getting polytonal here. there. Ooh, I love it. This is the credits roll one from Street Fighter Alpha, composed by Naoshi Masuda. Yeah, very pretty. A great melody. And I think it, it's something interesting to think about is that I think Capcom's sound is very influenced by the style of its composers. You know, I think if we look from sort of the late 80s to sort of around the mid-90s, I think Capcom had a very definite kind of sound that you could point to. And I think from about like 1994 and into the 2000s, I think it adapted kind of this sound, a little bit more of a jazzy sound. And I think a big part of it has to do with, uh, with the type of music that their composers liked. As certain composers would leave and new um, new members would come in, you know, Naoshi Mitsuda is known for his love of jazz music and known for his authentic jazz writing and so i think some of the soundtracks started to adopt that sound you know if we look at the difference between something like Mega Man x and then Rockman and forte there's right. such a clear difference where Mega Man x is of the spirit of the old Mega Man games and Rockman and forte is great it's one of our favorite soundtracks but it's so inherently well, jazzy what's what's important to note is we're only playing one track it's not like neosha mitsuda just like oh i want to do something jazzy and the rest of right. it was a rocking soundtrack the whole soundtrack is very jazzy yeah uh, and it was very different from street fighter 2 now some of these later soundtracks have remixes of earlier themes and actually i played one from will uh, i can't remember what game it was it had a remix of i think ken stage and it was like super jazzy and elevator music but it was the mm. theme of ken uh so very surprising um the direction that they went so let's keep on going here now we're gonna play this is an interesting choice this is from a game called x-men versus street fighter so obviously it still fits in the street fighter universe but we're gonna play gambit stage who obviously is an x-men and this soundtrack was composed by an x-man <laughs> an x-man um, he's an x-man what do they call um, the the females that are x-women X x-girls i X don't know people I have no idea. Ex-humans? Mutants. I think just mutants. Makes it safe. Uh, this is this soundtrack was composed by two legendary uh, Mega Man and Capcom composers. We have Yuki Iwai and Yuko Takahara. Please enjoy Gambit Stage. And it kind of sounds like Mega Man X. Here we go. You're listening to Gambit Stage from X-Men vs. Street Fighter. I think this came out for the arcade as well as the PlayStation, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe possibly the Saturn or something like that. Uh, I think it came out around 95 or 96. Um, it's composed by Yuki Iwai and Yuko Takahara. Good I to feel it. like we're back in the classic world of Street Fighter 2. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's classic world of Capcom, definitely. Um if anything, but yeah, no, I really wanted to include a track from this because this is kind of a surprising choice that maybe some people would, wouldn't would include if they were doing a Street Fighter episode, mm -hmm. but I was really impressed with this Gambit stage. Uh, I thought it was, you know, it just sounds like classic Capcom and it, it fits in this playlist. 
Yeah, because if you're going to go up against <laughs> the Street Fighter music. And uh, also, you know, we're sandwiching this in between an Alpha and an Alpha 2 track, and they're both right. very jazzy, uh, so I wanted to have something that rocks. So, yeah, speaking of that, let's move on now to Street Fighter Alpha 2. We're going to play yet another Neoshi Masuda staff roll. This is the staff roll from Street Fighter Alpha 2. Here we go. guys notice how the guitar came in right there man this really is um authentic to an actual jazz group it's trying to evoke a band all the parts are incredibly authentic you know neoshi masuda's bass writing is just the best you can't beat it you know coming from an actual jazz bassist himself he has such a knowledge of that instrument and that's such it a really huge ties part. in the authenticity it absolutely does it. um but great melodic flair i really like his harmonies that's a catchy part of that melody there that dun 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 Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, Super what I gotta catchy. say, something that I really respect about Naoshi Mitsuda is that I can always sort of tell uh, that it's him, <laughs> sort of by the nature of his composition as far as his chord choices. His chord choice, but melodically, yeah. there's not as many things that I can point to as far as uh, quirks that he sort of uh, does again and again, mm -hmm. which is something that I really respect because he obviously loves jazz music and has very authentic part writing and uh, chords that he likes Actually, to use again and again. he's not a really again. big fan of jazz. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has chords that he'll use sort of again and again. Well, wouldn't it be funny voicings, if he but hated his melodies jazz are kinda... and it was just like someone told him that he had to do this and he was like, oh, I really don't like doing this, but I guess I'll do it. And it was just like the best jazz you've heard in you video games. You think like uh, the people who made some of these games were asking for a jazz score i don't know i just that i don't think that's true i know naoshi loves jazz but wouldn't it be funny if he was just oh, he was forced to do this and well, he i'm really sure doesn't stuff like, like that happens all the time in video games mm -hmm. you know a composer has a specific style and sound that they like to compose in and then they're asked to do something honestly i think an example of that is kind of like john williams you know john right. williams if you look at some of his early music it's a lot more kind of dissonant and some of it can be a little bit avant-garde and mm -hmm. it wasn't until, you know, some of the classic films like Jaws and, you know, Star Wars that we... That's you know, not necessarily the type of music he would now. just compose on his own. Well, yeah. If he were loved to his own well, devices. And, you know, he was sort of asked to... Right write something and like also that. now and he has now to uphold traditions of these series of yeah. star wars and you know, well and stuff. he's so good at writing like that he's gonna keep getting yeah. asked to make really so now let's move on to street fighter ex2 uh this was composed by takayuki ahara shinji hanso and ayako saso let's play garnet sky
That's a very unique piece of music. Really glad we got to include this. You're listening to Garnet Sky, which is Jack's theme from Street Fighter EX2, composed by Takeyuki Ihara, Shinji Anso, and Ayako Sasso. This is a really confident piece of music. Again, um, you know, talking about, you know, the alpha tracks, this is also, you know, the rhythm section is very authentic. A great bass part and great writing in this track as well, but... Yeah, this is a really good co- uh, combination because obviously it's trying to evoke a specific type of ethnic, you know, world music sound. It's just so far away from what I really loved about mm-hmm. the Street Fighter That's music. true. That's and very I think true. I sort of lost touch with the series. I think a lot of people, uh, Street Fighter 2 came out, they never heard of the first one, mm-hmm. and then next, oh, here we have, you know, Special Fighting Edition, Turbo, mm-hmm. Super Street Fighter, all these added versions they of the didn't want to leave that game so people yeah. kind of got sick of it and then eventually they started to move you know alpha alpha 2 and then yeah. people didn't really care anymore eventually there was a street fighter 3 and 4 and no one paid attention to it and right. then like recently street fighter 4 came out and i don't think anyone cares anymore yeah well i mean yeah that is kind of you know uh, generalizing a little bit obviously there are fans that that are really into it but to the average you know gamer it's it's not well, really I mean, a big deal i think just it's important to note how huge street fighter was yes. like you mentioned yeah. Yes. It's one of the big cultural games. It's mm-hmm. up there, you know, NBA Jam, Street Fighter 2. It's one of those games yeah. where it's kind of like if someone had a Wii, everyone had Wii Sports because it was built in. And just, you know, if someone had a Genesis or SNES, they had You're Street totally Fighter right, II. and that goes hand-in-hand with, you know, that, that ridiculous claim I made earlier today where I thought that Guile Stage was one of the most recognizable 16-bit shots. Obviously, that's not true anymore, you know, with like... A Street Fighter 3 track, does anybody really... Is, is You know, a lot of times they're still remixing those old tracks, you know? Uh-huh. Um, it's very interesting. So we're going to move on to the very last track we're going to play today. This is from Street Fighter 4, which came out, I think, in 2010, if I'm not mistaken, a few years ago. We're going to play Theme of Sakura, and this soundtrack was composed by Hadayuki Fukasawa. Here we go. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us on our look, our pretty in-depth look at the Street Fighter series, obviously with a very big spotlight on Street Fighter 2 and on the music of Yoko Shimomura. Um, this was a really fun episode, a long time coming. You know, we've played a lot of Street Fighter 2 music, but it's nice to play, like, all the great themes right. in one episode and kind of play them back-to-back to have a little context. Right. Well, I mean, the big idea was we were going to do a Street Fighter 2 spotlight, but there's mm-hmm. just not enough tracks. So essentially, we looked at it as like, well, look at it like an album with yeah. two sides. You know, we'll have the, the greatest hits on the first side, and mm-hmm. then we'll play some B-sides. You know, we'll play right. a few tracks from other games. And it's fun to look at. Um, I think 
Uh, soundtrack like Street Fighter 2010 is something that we may want to take a more in-depth look at in the future. But some of these other soundtracks, it's nice because we probably wouldn't have been prompted to play some of this no. music were it not for the topic of this episode. And I think that's another thing. You know, we always talk about context, but that's something, there's series like this where, you know, people are only familiar with one game and sort of sometimes if there's not enough music to fill up a full playlist of mm-hmm. episodes, we're able to look at uh, some sort of hidden gems from some of these other games that not as many people are familiar with so Absolutely. we're very grateful that we got to do that today yeah this is a really good time stick around next week we have um, you know some of our favorite episodes ever it's going to be show and tell 10 we love those episodes yeah. so that's going to be a fun time thanks so much for joining us guys uh, my name is carl brueggemann and i'm will brueggemann and one thing i'd like to mention is that tomorrow we're incredibly excited oh my gosh tomorrow folks. is going to be the release of mega buster our ode to the blue bomber it's our mega man tribute album that we worked on with uh marty it's it turned out really fantastic we're super and we're excited so about proud it. of it yeah so that comes out tomorrow so we're really excited for all you guys to hear it we can't wait so yeah thanks so much have a great week guys take care peace out